Welcome to Inspirations in My Backyard. Original, relatable, authentic. Inspirations in My Backyard reflects human journeys shared through inspirational stories around our local heroes. Come and join me. Let's explore now. Hello, welcome to Inspirations in My Backyard. I'm your host Chen. Today, our guest has been a teacher for almost ten years in the government and private sectors. Her students are very diverse across all age ranges, from primary school through to adults. She also taught in Australia and overseas. But now she is the co-founder and director of a strength-based training business called S and S Development Co, a place she really enjoys. Her aim is to empower people by embracing diversity in order to increase productivity and engagement in organizations. So, welcome along, Savina Carter. Thank you for having me. <laughs> First of all, describe where you are. This is pretty much my parents' place. It's a separate bungalow area, and I'm surrounded by yeah, just a lot of nature and bush and、um, just. Really, really beautiful and peaceful. A lot of my books in the background that I've, you know, been collecting since since I was a kid, and pictures and albums of travels. <laughs> and in in the back, there's a very beautiful painting. Tell us. This is my personal hobby, which is,、uh, you know, ancient Egypt. I love reading anything about ancient Egypt. And、um, when I visited Egypt,、uh, when was it? 2006 was the first time, and then and then another six years later,、um, yeah. So I I just go a little crazy when I'm there, and I just <laughs> and I, I buy all sorts of、uh, ancient Egyptian things, and、uh, um, yeah, I think that's from the Book of the Dead、um, behind me. But yes, and there's、um, I've got other ones as well. <laughs> That's really cool. Your background actually is very diverse because your your parents one's from Bangladesh, one's from Ukraine, but you grew up in Middle East and、yes. moved to Australia when you were twelve. So, what do you feel right now? Your identity? I feel Australian, which is kind of funny because I haven't lost my my accent. <laughs> Um, it's I've got a really weird accent, and so sometimes I do get people that ask, you know,、um, what my background is and all that, which is I, I have no problem with answering that question at all.、Um, but yeah, it's just funny because I think I really should have more of an Australian accent by now. <laughs> so, what do you feel about your accent? Well, I mean, sometimes it's a, it's a little. I like it because nobody has any idea where I'm from. Sometimes, so、uh, in that sense, I like it. But then sometimes I just want to be, I you know, sometimes I just want to be like I'm Australian. You know, like believe me, I'm Australian. So why do you feel that you want to be sounded like Australian rather than your unique accent? Oh、uh, yeah, that's a very good question. I think it's more so when I'm traveling, you know,、um, because and especially when I'm traveling, that's when my Australian. I that's when I really feel like I'm Australian. You know that that that's the place that I feel like I come from, and that's the place that I you know I'll be like 
I'm Australian. And then I sound a little bit American. So it's, you know, confusing for people. Yeah, I think it's that, I guess it is a little bit of the belonging, you know, it's like, but actually I'm from that tribe, but I don't sound like it. (laughs) So how do you feel like being an Australian in terms of culture? I feel like it's okay to be different in Australia. Like you can, uh, I mean, it might not necessarily always be celebrated, but I think by and large it is. It is um, accepted and uh, encouraged to some degree. Yeah, I have to say though, because it it's ve- it's so hard to explain, but being from two different, two very, very different cultures, I grew up in Kuwait basically and and just had, you know, different languages. So like my parents spoke Russian with each other because at the time Ukraine was part of the USSR. Then I had a huge Bengali community as well that were family friends. And so, yeah, it's just been kind of a mishmash of, um, of languages and cultures. And I, you know, I have to say like, that's just the one drawback is that you never really feel a hundred percent anything. You know, I'm not fully uh, Bangladeshi and I'm not fully Ukrainian at all. So (laughs) that aspect of it is um, a little bit different, I guess, to other people's experiences. But then being in a country like Australia, where such a large amount of people (laughs) have um, either are migrants or have at least one parent that's a migrant. So yeah, it's, it's a bit more of a melting pot. And that makes, especially Melbourne, I didn't realize because for me, Melbourne, I've sort of, uh, Melbourne's been my Australian experience. And then I moved to Canberra for work. And, um, and I realized, uh, you know, as as you're traveling, that that not all parts of Australia are this multicultural. And um, I I just realized how special Melbourne is in that way as well. That's, that's another, (laughs) another identity that I feel like I belong to is that that you know Melbourne uh, multicultural sort of uh, culture <laughs> yeah so I, I just feel like your case is quite different because some people like I I talk to so the like their their parents are from Malaysia for example and then they still de- yes. identify themselves as Malaysian instead of Australian so how do you deal with those those like difference do you do you ever feel feel like oh i feel like i'm i'm lost or you you always have that positivity in you that oh, oh it's 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 nice to be different i kind of always saw it as something special um because i don't know i think i think because um while i was growing up um it was something special, you know, it was like, if I went to the Ukraine, they'd be like, oh, you know, wow, (laughs) she looks different, you know, and it was said in a positive way, it wasn't said in a negative way. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, like, uh, you know, when I go to Bangladesh, I'm going there as uh, something different as well, you know, not 100% Bangladeshi. So, that felt uh, like I was special as well, you know, like it, it was, I think if my experiences were different, if, if people made it out that it was a bad thing, then maybe I might've carried that. But because it was always, 
I guess, seen as something that was great and positive. I saw it as something really great and positive. That's lovely. Um, so it's, it's all the same. So when you were in Kuwait and then when you came to Australia, so all the like different like, experiences you had before, they're all positive. I'd, I'd say in that sense, as far as identity goes, I felt that it was positive. Mm-hmm. And it, took, it actually only has taken me now as an adult to realize that but maybe maybe it's because I do tend to see things in a more positive light that I didn't realize that actually maybe my uh, cultural difference is actually um, not seen as a positive thing, you know, maybe with some employers uh, and that maybe they see how I look before they realize that I'm actually incredibly capable that, you know, so then what, what do you want to say to, to other immigrants and international students? I would say that if, there's, if there is ever a place where you can feel like your cultural background is an asset, you know, let Australia be it. Even if it feels sometimes like it's not, I think that it is more so than, than other countries. Uh, like there will be difficult times, but at the end of the day, I think it's up to us. Like we have to find something within us to be like, no, you know what? I have so much to offer and I'm going to offer it, you know, <laughs> whether you like it or not. Um, and uh, yeah, just, just see it as a positive thing and not as a negative. I think if we see it as a negative, then other people will be seeing it as a negative. You know what I mean? Whereas, um, I think in some ways, the fact that I didn't realize is a blessing that maybe there were opportunities that I missed out on because, as I said, of being underestimated and all that. But um, yeah, but I, I think it's important to just sort of plow ahead and and uh, do your best and, and prove everyone wrong. <laughs> so mm. anyone that underestimates you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I think your your attitude is is very important and to be proud of who you are. Mm. And what, what do you see the benefits that you bring to the table f- from your culture background? I think, so this is, uh, this is where I, I've tried to bring that into my business um, because I think that without real i genuinely did not realize that this was an asset but uh without realizing it i've um i know how to communicate with different cultures that are not my my own culture you know because for example um the bangladeshi culture actually both cultures the ukrainian side as well you know very hierarchical in in some ways but um, there's different mannerisms that you pick up and that you learn how to communicate with other people in a much more effective way Um, because you just, I don't know, you just pick it up and you bring it with you. Um, Sometimes it can be a negative in Australia, for example, that isn't very hierarchical, you know, in a workplace and you're very respectful Sometimes it's a negative to be so respectful, you know, like that that I've kind of struggled with probably a little bit more. But when I go traveling to Asia, 
I just feel so at home because I I know exactly how to behave, you know, and how to interact, maybe not behave, but how to interact with other people in a way that makes sure that they will listen to me and I will listen to them. And so we have really good um, dialogue. So I, I went to teach um, in South Korea in public schools. And I just often got like the teachers used to say to me, oh, it's like you're Korean. I feel like I'm speaking to a Korean person, you know, like because I just picked up the mannerisms very quickly. And I a lot of it is because I have a, a very close friend growing up was Korean. So there were some things that I sort of picked up you know, from watching her family. But then once I was there, I knew how to be very respectful to the principal and the other teachers. And, uh, you know, I kind of understood the hierarchy a lot more. And I, I didn't go into that culture thinking that my way was better in any way. I was like, well, I'm in your country and I'm going to respect your traditions. And, um, and I think sometimes that doesn't happen, you know, so like, um, and especially like the Western culture can sometimes come across as very aggressive uh, in Asia. So, <laughs> you know, like, uh, so I tried to help my friends to be a little bit more like, you know, to be a bit more empathetic and also to be like, you know, maybe try, try a different approach and maybe not like a jackhammer, like this is the way, this is the better way, you know? <laughs> Have you have you um had any misunderstanding why you you were overseas? Ooh, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure I must have. Um, but I'm trying to think. There isn't anything that really sticks out in my mind because obviously they know that I'm not Korean or like I, I worked in Thailand as well. They know that I'm not Thai, so. I think there is a, a lot of like forgiveness for the things that I do wrong. I think it's more the intention that they see that I'm really trying to, you know, um, to communicate in a way that's um, um, acceptable or, you know, in, in a good way, like my intentions are good. And so if I break some rules, um, it's it's not because it's I, I I mean to to do that. It's because um, I just don't know. Mm-hmm. So I, I they didn't tend to correct me. That's why I'm not sure. I'm a hundred percent sure I must have, but <laughs> but I haven't been you know told that oh actually what you did was really rude. I've that, I've never been told that. Mm-hmm. So I assume that, that if I have that it ha- it's been acceptable in some ways <laughs> because. I've been trying, you know. Yeah, I think trying is very, it's very <laughs> important. People can see that your attitude. So, is there any other like tips you want to give it to people who who wants to build a good relationship with people from diverse culture backgrounds? Um, I would actually say the opposite, and I would say that for people that are here from other cultures, um, I I think. It's uh, important to have a think about um, and have a look at um, what Australian culture is like and um, sort of not to mold. Obviously, you're coming with your own beautiful culture and you don't want to change that. But it's more about in order to get ahead, you kind of have to realize that 
that Australian culture is different and that maybe some of the things that we do that show respect will not be taken as that. It might be taken as a uh, lack of confidence instead of respect. So, do you have any specific um, you know, example? Yeah, like speaking up, for example, you know, uh, like I found it really, really difficult. And like now, because I've run workshops on cultural difference, that I'm that it's clicked in my head why I've struggled with this in an Australian context. Um, you know, it's because both the cultures that I come from are very hierarchical and you, and you go out of your way to show respect to someone who's older, someone who's uh, more senior than you. And uh, you tend not to speak up when they're talking, for example. And um, yeah, and you, and, and, and you, and you sort of, uh, you know, try to find ways of, 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 uh, of communicating in a very respectful way and maybe eye contact, like not being very direct. And that doesn't work in Australia. So, you know, um, I think Australia has such a much flatter structure. And so, you know, just being very frank and open and just saying, you know, I kind of disagree with you, you know, but not obviously not in an aggressive way, but just more in the sense of speaking up that can be difficult for someone who's new to Australia. Yeah, I can really relate to that because it took me so long <laughs> to start to be braver, to speak up. So um, do you think this is just about of, about practice and takes time? Other than that, do you have any yes. other tips? I think that is my main one. I think that because that's something that even being here as long as I have, that I've struggled with. It's so funny because, um, you know, you obviously you grow up and I, I, you know, I came here when I was 12. So you would think that you would lose a lot of that, but I didn't. So, you know, um, for me, it was kind of like, uh, you know, I wait, you know, I have to wait for my turn to speak up. I, I have to like uh, be careful with how I phrase things and other people don't, don't have that concern. (laughs) And, um, um yeah so that's one thing and the second point I was going to make is um I think some some of the issues that people might have are also perhaps uh, to do with gender as well so um like some of the mistakes that people can make when they come well it can even be you know people that have grown up here as well uh, that if you're female, you're also not that much encouraged to, you know, take risks and negotiate and all that sort of thing. And uh, I I did notice, like, even while I was teaching, I did notice that uh, even like subconsciously, you don't realize that you're doing it, that sometimes the way girls are sort of encouraged to be nice, you know, compared yeah. to boys. Uh, so how do you think we should that, overcome that? I, I think that we should actually encourage girls to speak up more. And I think that we should encourage girls to negotiate, to learn how to negotiate from a younger age. I think that with boys, they naturally, I don't know how much of it is natural and how much of it is uh, that they're taught, you know, that that they they learn from doing and seeing that it's okay. But it's kind of a bit more acceptable for um for boys to be a little bit naughty and, um, you know, for them to like say, oh, you know, uh, teacher, if I, if I do this, can you, um, will you, 
let us go, you know, half a minute early or, you know, something like that. They always try. Whereas with girls, um, and I love teaching girls, but they're sort of just really, really beautiful and lovely, but they won't speak up as much. And, um, and it, yeah, it, it was when I was uh, doing my um, teaching practicum that I realized, you know, I had been teaching this class and uh, there were these boys that were always like really, really involved and really speaking up all the time. And the girls didn't. And I realized that I could have done more to encourage the girls to speak up more. Um, but I didn't because I was still, you know, new. And then um, at the end of <laughs> at the end of the uh, the practicum, you know, I said I said to the class, oh, you know, it's my last day. And uh, and they were like, oh, really? You know, like, uh, and then the boy, the bell rings. The boys are like, see ya. <laughs> and they're out the door and the girls come up and they, they wrote this beautiful, you know, card and they wrote really beautiful things like, you know, we really enjoyed your classes and Aww. thank you for being a great teacher. And I just, I cried and I thought, Aww. oh my goodness, like I didn't realize that I was making an impact with them because they were quiet. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, I think I definitely think that it's important to learn how to negotiate and like mm. how to. Um, uh, Do you have any easy tip work for you so you you can share with other girls? I think just encouraging them and telling them that it's okay to ask for things, mm. to ask for what they. Yeah, need, you know? so it's like you tell yourself, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes, mm. definitely. Wonderful. Also, you mentioned before that um, you have a deep love of learning about other cultures and finding common ground at a very early stage. Yes, that's absolutely a part of the cultural stuff that I was talking about, just uh, building cultural understanding. What do you think your love came from? I think definitely coming from different cultures, traveling a lot. Um, I didn't realize how much uh, I traveled when I was a little kid. And, um, you know, because there was a lot of travel between Europe and Middle East and, you know, Bangladesh. And uh, and then actually during the Gulf War, we ended up in the U.S. That's why my accent's a little strange. <laughs> because um, we ended up in the U.S. Uh, during the Gulf War. We were on holidays um, and we got stuck there for um, for two years. And um, but uh, my dad had applied for Australia and Canada before the Gulf War and all the papers came through then and we ended up coming to Australia. So is there any particular culture you like the most? Oh, I think, so this is it. I think because I grew up in Kuwait, I think that I feel a closeness with the Middle East and sort of the Arab culture. And um, tell us, um, Maybe one thing you, you, you like about that culture. I think people are really nice and like really sort of welcome you with uh, open arms. Well, it obviously depends on the place and depends on the people. But there are a few places where I've been where I've felt really like at home. And Egypt was one of them. Uh, once you get out of the touristy areas where they, you know, try to get as much money from you as possible, once you get out of that and you actually meet real people, um, there's oh, they're so lovely and so welcoming and so like, you know, you know, come over and they feed you and like, you know, there's just 
you don't get you don't get that so much here like for example if someone comes here new it takes a lot of i think a, a bit of work to sort of you know become friends um whereas there it's like the, if if you've got one thing in common and and uh, i think that's very similar in bangladesh as well it's like you have one thing in common it's like oh you know come over to you know, my son's having a wedding come over you know that kind of thing that's really nice it just feels maybe a little bit familiar because i was there as a kid mm. so you know like it, it's just that that feeling of familiarity maybe <laughs> inspirations in my backyard original relatable authentic okay now let's move to another topic which i think is very interesting as well so it's about your your own business <laughs> so tell us what made you want to start your your business initially um i think uh when i went to uh thailand and i worked for a company um um he would run tesl courses the you know teaching english to the speakers of other languages um and so people would go there do a tesl course and then teach um in different parts of asia and i ran tesl courses for korea and did a lot of the well assisted with some of the recruitment side of it you know to find uh well uh, we worked with uh, with a sister company so um both the owners of the two companies that i was working with closely they were not that far from my age and i thought you know if they can do it why can't i do it <laughs> so um yeah so i think that there was a little bit of of um I, you know you have to stop underestimating yourself all the time you know and and just just give it a go if it doesn't work it doesn't work but if it works there are things that i really want to come across you know for example in different workplaces the the um the multicultural aspect you know cultural communication aspect and i sort of want to do something where i'm contributing to the change that i want to see in in life in, in what kind of change you want to see in life better dialogue better 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 dialogue with um people from different cultures things like for example different workplaces where you can have uh miscommunication and you know things like that yeah sort of minimizing conflict embracing diversity um and difference and just yeah just working working better with the people around you increasing compassion in many ways as well because that's the thing for example when i do the cultural communication stuff i'm think uh, the workshops that i run i'm i think well you know um sometimes it's kind of putting yourself in the place of the other person the other person grew up in a culture where you know maybe uh that's like direct eye contact is seen as a bit aggressive you know so maybe that's why they're looking away or uh you know have their arms crossed you know because that they're actually showing you respect but if you don't know that um then you make assumptions and uh yeah so it's i guess improving 
improving communication and, and sort of empathy. Um, the other thing is that because we're doing this for training for adults, I think a lot of the lessons that you're taught at school are forgotten once you become an adult and you're in the workplace, you know? So, you know, working well together and like the fact that people learn differently, you know, people have different learning styles and, you know, there might be one person that, that needs to hear something a few times before they get it, um, you know, get a new skill or they're, they're, another person will be someone that's very good at just doing it, you know, and that's how they learn. Um, you know, uh, other people need to actually, you know, read about it, get as much information as possible. And then, you know, but uh, once you're actually in an office environment that all that's kind of forgotten and an expectation is there that people will just, you know, you tell them once they'll do it and that's it, you know, like there is no, um, I guess, tolerance for just people being a little bit different and, or, you know, thinking differently or working differently some, sometimes. And um, so my, my business partner and I decided to um, get together and try it, try it out and see, you know, like if there's a desire for the kind of training that that we're sort of talking about some of it is about soft skills you know enhancing the soft skills and some of it is um increasing awareness of the fact that people learn differently mm, that's so important so how's your journey so far i know that you you uh, started your business just one month before covert yeah so that that was quite interesting um <laughs> Um, it actually, in some ways, worked in our favor because we were so new, we didn't have much established. So we realized that there was a need for training online. So we started running virtual workshops, and that's been working really well for us. Yeah, that's been fantastic. Uh, and I think a lot of trainers aren't comfortable with um, teaching virtually. And so we just kind of went in there and we just did it because we didn't, you know, we didn't know any better. And sometimes it's just a matter of just doing it, right? So That's great. Also, I I got to know, I think there's a one recent post you write or the workshop you're going to do is called Don't Call Me Teacher, but Sabina, yes. tell us about that. Um, so that workshop was just finished. Um, and it was for vocational education and training. So the trainers uh, within VET. Basically, that one is talking about hierarchy within cultures. So when you have uh, students that, you know, uh, international students that come from um, other countries, um, especially, uh, you know, especially some of the Asian countries uh, that they have a very hierarchical structure. Um, so even the, like the reason why I called it that was because that's the first perhaps, you know, thing that will be a bit confronting for them is, oh, I don't have to refer to them in a respectful, you know, way of calling them by their title, but uh, I have to just call them John, <laughs> you know, like what? Um, so that was, yeah, so it's it's kind of um, making the trainers aware that that that's the reason. There's, you know, um, if they're coming from if a student is coming from a hierarchical 
a, a culture with a that's very hierarchical that there will be all these struggles that you're not considering and why those struggles might be there. So I talk about my experiences because I've been very uh, fortunate or unfortunate <laughs> enough to go through so, so many different school systems. And um, so the first school system that I went through was in Kuwait, but it was an Indian school and it was so different it was basically uh, in an Indian school, specifically, uh, it was a Catholic school. There was nothing creative. There was no creative writing. It was very much, you know, uh, rote learning. And then you'd get exams and tests. So, for example, I remember this so clearly. I lost um, half a point because I, I, it, it, uh, the question asked, name some mammals, Um and I named the mammals that were in the textbook, but I named them in the wrong order. And I got half a point taken off because it's in the wrong order. Wow. You know, um, you know, and then stuff like getting getting hit on the palm of your hands and stuff like that if you get an answer wrong, you know. So um, if you're coming from a culture like that and then you find yourself in Australia where you're told that you have to speak up it's very confronting and difficult, you know, because you're used to not expressing yourself and, and not um, be like being able to make a, a mistake. So when I taught in, in, in Asia and, and in Korea, um, it was very much like there was a fear of making a mistake. So, you know, with the students and, and it was, uh, I tried to, I tried very hard to get them to be, you know, it's okay. You can make a mistake. There's no problem. We're learning. You know, you have to make mistakes when you're learning. But yeah, if you're if you are coming from a culture where it's not encouraged, then yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it's just- yeah. I can I can totally relate to that. So then before you 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 share about the tips that as international student or immigrant what we can do in this multicultural country. What about for um for other local people or the teachers what kind yeah. of advice would you give it to them? That's basically put yourself in their shoes. Put yourself in your students' shoes and uh if you are getting you know uh those kinds of issues that's the reason because a lot of times they don't know the reason. And that can help. And then giving them, you know, just little tips, you know, how to encourage more group work. Um, You know, sometimes it might be that you have, um, like within, when you are creating a group, immediately people will start to put themselves in a, you know, like, oh, is this person older than I am? Um, You know, what's their level of education? And then they immediately put themselves into a bit of a hierarchical structure. And um, that's okay. So it's fine if that happens. Um, just, yeah, allow people to kind of work the way that they need to work. Uh, it might not be exactly what you're expecting, but the learning is happening and that's the important part. So, Yeah, I feel like sometimes we are so easy to make our own assumptions. Yes, absolutely. Mm. And just looking back, right? Is there anything you want to give to your younger self? Yes. Oh my God, so much. Yes. Um, I I do this. I do. I think about this a lot. And um, I, yeah, I think definitely what I would tell my younger self is 
uh, always go for it. Never be afraid. Um, because I think, um, I think perhaps because of, you know, the, my schooling situation when I was a kid, there was a lot of fear, you know, of making a mistake and all that stuff. And what I would say to myself is that, um, don't be afraid to make a mistake. You learn from your mistakes and it's fine. Like the, the, the world, the world doesn't stop just because you've made one little mistake. Um, give everything a go. And then if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But the important thing is that you try. And, uh, and I would uh, tell myself to change my um, opinion or change the way that I look at failure so that um, failure isn't a bad thing. Failure is a good thing because you're learning from it. What's the biggest fail- failure that you, had, you, you have experienced in your life? I actually studied uh, journalism at one stage. And I felt that when I studied it, that I, I didn't feel that it was right for me. It didn't, I didn't feel like I really fit into the mold. I love writing a lot. And I didn't feel that I could be creative, like do the creative writing aspect that I really love. And it wasn't a hundred percent fit. Like I'm not, um, I am a, a natural diplomat and very diplomatic and that actually doesn't work for that, you know, or at least at that time it didn't. And it felt like a failure to me because I did the course and then I didn't feel like I could, you know, um, actually go for it. And um, it actually led me to education because when I did the course, I was like, oh, that's not how people learn, you know, that's, <laughs> and, uh, and so then I went to, um, I did my master's in, in education. And that's when, um, that's when it clicked, you know, that's when I was like, this really fits because this is more about helping, you know, people to sort of be their best. And that's more me. Cause that's what I like to do. Um, and, um, yeah, so actually it ended up being a really good thing. Mm. Uh, but at the time it felt it felt yeah. like I had failed. <laughs> mm. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. Is is there any other other thing you want to tell your younger self? The possibilities are endless. Just go for it. Would you feel that oh, I should have started my own business much earlier? Uh, no, because I think that I need, I went through a journey that needed to happen. I wish that, yes, I wish that I had, but at the same time, I probably wasn't, uh, I didn't have the maturity to do it then. Mm. So I, I needed, like, there are a lot of lessons I needed to go through and people that I needed to meet, um, including like, you know, my business partner, Sarah, because uh, we both realized that we were very similar teachers and we had very, very similar philosophies when it comes to education and we're very deeply passionate about it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have met her. I, I only met her um, right before I went to Thailand. She took over my job. So we, we had one week where we met. And then when I came back to Melbourne after that job, um, I caught up with her. I just, we ran into each other and and then we sort of you know we always talked about our philosophies with education how passionate we were about it 
and that's how it happened. But until, um, yeah, until then, I was constantly thinking about what, you know, what am I passionate about? What do I want to do? What, you know, na, 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 na. And then, uh, yeah, it just clicked when I met her. And I think, um, yeah, and, and I had to go through certain things to get there. Mm, yeah, you just made me feel like, you know, we, we should trust the process and um, the right timing will come. And the last question, because you said you really like um, reading. So is yes. there any book that really impacts you, your life? <laughs> Let me think. Look, uh This book, Cultures and Organizations, is a major one for the a lot, you know, a lot of the cultural stuff that I talk about. That's nonfiction, and I read that uh, uh, at uni, and I didn't realize that it would have such an impact on me, but it did. <laughs> so I came back to it, and I was like, "Wow, this is actually really useful for when you're traveling." But you know, I actually have a little story with. Um, I, there was a book, The Little Princess, um, by Frances Hodgson Burnett that I used to love when I was a kid. It was my favorite book. Yeah, it was one of those. It was one of those books where my mom brought it to brought it to me from the library. She was working in a library, and um, and I and I at the same time I was watching this animation on TV. This was in Kuwait, so it was in Arabic, and I, it wasn't in English, and I didn't understand it. But I liked the story, uh, like from what I could make out of it. And I said to her, "I don't want to read this book. I want to. I want to read the book that's you know ba- the animation is based on." And it turned out, as she started reading it, it sounded really familiar, and the character names were the same. And it was the exact same book. Wow! <laughs> and uh, you know, in this story, she kind of goes from being like a you know. Uh, uh, a rich girl to losing everything to, you know, um, uh, to finding an un- a long lost uncle and then getting back up, you know. Um, and I didn't realize just how impactful that story actually, you know, would be for my life because it is kind of like that. You you sort of go up sometimes and then you go down and then you go up again. You know, build yourself back up. Um, And uh, it was, I, th- I should have it here somewhere, actually. Um, this book, when my dad went back to Kuwait, he actually found it. And um, so I still have it. Oh, that's so special. <laughs> and last, do you have any final words? No, my final words would just be that everyone should follow their dreams, you know, Um And it, as soon as you start following your dreams, that's when you, um, that's when things really start to happen. You know, it's it's when you start trusting yourself. Yeah, until you start trusting yourself, it just um, you 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 always feel like you don't quite belong and you're not quite there. But once you're heading in the right direction, you suddenly feel like. This is this is what it's meant to be, you know. Like this is how I'm meant to feel, <laughs> and uh, yeah. And it's it's only once you just stop doubting yourself. That's so good, so important message. And when did you start to trust yourself? I think when I went to Korea, I, Korea really was an amazing experience for me, um, because I, you know, I went there as a te- as a teacher. 
So I wasn't always working as a teacher. I, I like I'm, I'm in education a lot, like the whole time, but not necessarily as a teacher in Australia. Whereas when I went to Korea and I was back in the classroom again, and um, and then sort of the things that I learned from the other teachers, from the students, um, and just from the way that I coped with you know with the changes like I I just felt so good and um I learned so much and then when I came back I just um I was like this is really the right path so to speak you know um and yeah again it was kind of like a little step in the right direction Mm -hmm. you know when I did my uh my master's I felt that as well I was like Ah, I feel like I'm heading in the right direction. So you can feel if you are in on the right path, right? Your heart, or no? Yes. Yeah. And yeah. also, yeah, it's, I'm not there yet, but I'm heading in the right direction. I'm feeling it. That's so good. Thank you so much, Sabina. And I, I'm, I'm just so. I feel like so good to to see like so much passion in you, and uh, the changes you want to make in this world. So your own strengths. That's definitely wonderful. Thank you so much, and thank you for giving you know me the opportunity to speak about it. Thanks for listening. If you are enjoying the show, please make sure to follow, share, rate, or leave me a comment. This podcast is written, produced, hosted, and edited by me, Xie Zhang. Stay well, and I will catch up with you next week.